0: Welcome back to Pine, Pine Podcast, but wait there, pause, sound the alarm. If you want to win a free Pine, Pine t-shirt, as just here, follow the three simple steps. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe now. Hit that like button and comment, subscribe, and your favorite guest. And then we'll be checking. So if you want to win a free t-shirt, follow them three simple steps, but... Right now, we're joined by Mark Robertson, so let's get into that podcast now. So, uh, Mark, born in Australia, what was it like growing up playing football out there and sort of your route into playing in England?
1: Um, It was hot, um, sunny, um, the grounds were rock hard, Um, so almost like air's rock, mate, you know, just like concrete floor, you sort of, You slide tackle over there you lose half your leg um (laughs) ball would bounce up in the air every time it hit the floor so you can imagine i was coming from something completely different from australia um to when when you first come over here to the mud ridden sort of fields and um so it took me a while to get used to it my body sort of like took a while to get used to it because obviously The whole transition of um you know hard surfaces to soft surfaces um molded boots i'd never wore a poor a a pair of sort of like screw-in studs really before i'd come to the uk um a few international games and stuff i'd wore them but they weren't sort of um in my cupboard if that makes sense in australia because everything out there is just so dry and and almost barren some of the um the fields that you would play on so um Life was good as a youngster i was I was really good as a as a youngster as a young player my old man was a professional footballer. his dad was a professional footballer um some people will say it was in the jeans other people will say that he worked hard at it um, you know, I kind of worked hard at my fitness but but didn't really work an awful awful lot harder um on on my ball skills and technical ability and stuff so as I was coming through, I was always the kind of kid, you know, the popular one at school, the popular one at um, at the park and stuff like that. So um, I was kind of used to being decent. Um, I had an older brother who, you know, we used to play one-on-ones in the backyard and he'd kick the shit out of me. And um, so, so that was always good. And, and you know, it wasn't until later on in life, I'd done a bit of um reading believe it or not and um and they say that a lot of athletes that that go on to have like elite careers and stuff have older siblings so Mm -hmm. um I, i could possibly vouch for that because he was just a mad supporter of football he loved it you know he had like all the um pictures around his room and all that and then i had pictures of surfing waves girls and then you go in his room and he had pictures of like glasgow rangers and yeah, you know, Man United and all that sort of stuff. But I was just a, a, a different breed to him, really. I was more of the the socialite that would like to go out and yeah, play football, soccer, as we called it. But you know, I, I then got into surfing and I then got into yeah, chicks and all that sort of stuff. So
2: <laughs> I wanted to to touch on Marks. I might be wrong, but football's not the or soccer, as you say, like the main sport in in Australia. They have cricket's huge, isn't it? Rugby. Yeah. Aussie rules football, which I've tried to watch a few times, and I can't understand why they're picking it up. Why they've got a net on top and on the bottom? I get up watching that, but was it through your family then that that sort of pushed you down down the football route? Was was the
1: was yeah? The... I, I'd say so, mate. Look, you're already three sports down there when you mention all of them, so you can <laughs> keep going in the rugby sense. Yeah. So you got um, AFL, rugby league, rugby union cricket um you know swimming's a big sport in australia so when you sort of go into the back pages of, of you know your, your daily newspaper you're getting six seven eight pages deep before anything comes up about soccer yeah. now the first thing that would come up would be the premier league and then a little bit further down would be maybe a soccer league it's yeah. kind of evolved a little bit uh, since my time but yeah you're right um if the you outcast. did play it yeah, you were, mate, totally. You were a big softie, you were a pansy, and yeah. it was very, very focused on this, like, big macho Australian sort of, like, bravado of play rugby or play AFL. So if you played soccer, you were just um and i don't know i'd like to think i changed that in some respects because i never used to take shit from from many folks no. at school or that do you know what i mean yeah. um so yeah you're right in saying that so then when i had my opportunity to play the game i sort of um used to go and watch my dad's games uh my dad was like an international who played for australia so um when i got the opportunity to go on and play for australia it was kind of like a proud moment for for us um but if you think about it, the only people that are really Australian are the Aboriginals because everybody else that lives in Australia is has come from a different country. So my mum and dad are both Scottish. they're both from Edinburgh. They both migrated to Australia. Uh, my wife, who I then went on to marry um, uh, at when I was when I was playing at Burnley, um, she's from Peru, so South American. So if you go through like Croatians, Italians, and mm-hmm. yeah you only needed to go through our national team when I was playing and it was Varduka and Popovich and Kalats and Musket and and all these boys that come from a a real you know diverse multicultural background um so I was no different so I was like the the white-skinned Aussie that never used to sit in the sun and and everyone to this day goes don't you miss the freaking sunshine and I'm like nah man just get sunburned I start peeling then I just go back in get sunburned again so you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I feel like I'm British deep down, but I also um, there's a big part of me. I was born and raised in Australia. So I'm dinky die Aussie. Yeah,
0: you you said it was. Uh, it's in the family. You've got a Aladdin, yeah, Alex Robertson who's making good ground at Man City.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know what, mate? He's um he's got a little platform there to to sort of um to spring off, really, and and it's going to be up to him. Uh, under no illusions whatsoever. Um, that he's going to go on and and be the next best thing. But all I do is I'm the parent that, yes, I played the game. So I can just kind of guide him through the fog and just let him know that potentially what's around the corner or what's down these little alleyways um, when he makes these turns. So I guess in that respect, I I don't ever want to put pressure on him and say he's going to be this, he's going to be that. but. At the end of the day, I feel like he's got a real good chance, and the only reason I say that is because he's got—he's um, a good human first and foremost, um, and he's and he's got a really good work ethic. Um, whether that's the Australian side of him, or whether that was the South American side of him, or he was born in Scotland, so whether that's the Scottish grit that he's got through his granddad and where he was born, who knows? But it's a nice little blend to have. And um, and at this moment in time, he's seventeen, and he's um. He's kind of navigating his way through one of the, the one of the world's biggest clubs, really.
2: Yeah, I was going to say he's got a, a decent platform and I know the, the facilities aren't bad at City, are they? So
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, there's a lot of negativity around people saying, oh, you'll never make it at City, you'll never play in the first team. But, you know, I'm I'm very much the optimist and I always say, well, someone has to play in the first team. <laughs> Yeah, Phil Foden, I bet you, you know, coming from Stockport when he was sort of coming through, um, yeah. no one ever would have sort of pinned him on to be playing in the first team and he's doing all right for himself. So yeah. um, w- w- we just take each day as it comes and hopefully in time, he'll go on. And really, you end up where you should end up. Like I know there's these, these players that said, oh, I could have played for such and such. And that's bullshit, mate. You end up where you are. And at the end of the day, if you're good enough, you'll make it. If you're not, then, you know what I mean?
3: I mean, there's other players from City as well who didn't necessarily make it out City, but you like Ben, me, and Kieran Trippier left City, came to Burnley. Look at career neighbor. Trippier mm. top of La Liga at the minute. So you don't yeah, know I, I love history. that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and look, they're, they're all fairy tales. And you know, you can obviously sit back and say, well, if you go on and play for Burnley, for me, if you go on and play for like Old Tringham, like mm. you've done well. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I've got no no sort of like bias to say that there's shit clubs and good clubs or whatever. I, I think if you're doing it and you're doing it for a living, I think majority of the population would like to have a crack at it. And if you've got a chance to do it, then 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 good on you. you know?
2: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If you can make a, a profession out of a game that we all love, you, you're winning really, aren't you? <laughs>
1: yeah we all need to work we all we all would go out and get a job doing whatever it is shoveling shit over there or you know cleaning out bins or working Tesco who like they're all jobs, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with those jobs so if you're doing it and you're kicking a ball around, and yeah I know it's glamorized a lot in this country, mm. but um the the reality is it is hard work and it can be a slog, and I think it's more mental than it is physical um yeah. purely because a lot of the stuff that I went through as a player um and and that's just sort of living proof that it, it is quite tough, quite a tough industry, you know. Yeah.
0: So we touched on Burnley. What what has been your greatest memory playing for Burnley?
1: I I remember so much about Burnley. I mean, I remember the first um, the first time there was any interest. I I was at Glasgow Rangers at the time, um, and and so I was I was training with them and and sort of having a look at whether that would be the right move for me. So um, I'd been to Nottingham Forest, I was at Glasgow Rangers. My agent had said to me, um, Chris Waddle wants to sign you at Burnley. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't even really know much about Burnley because you can imagine... Yes, they'd been a massive club back in the day when they were top of the first division and stuff like that. But as the years went by and during my growing up period, all I knew was Newcastle United, Man United. Yeah. And so I used to watch the whole match of the day and stuff like that. So Burnley never really come on my radar. So I sat down with my agent and I said, what do you think? And he goes, right, Glasgow Rangers, massive club, Nottingham Forest, good club um you know it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to go into that league one level make a name for yourself then potentially get a move from there and i was like okay so he kind of sold it to me and then um we spoke to chris waddle chris waddle was like i'd really like to sign you i watched you play um a couple of months ago for australia in the world youth championships um and and you're sort of everything that that we would like to um have at the football club so we're willing to pay the transfer fee to the club in Australia and um would you be interested and it was very hard because you know I had some good clubs there you had Chris Waddle who had like his coaching staff Glenn Rhoda, Gordon Cowens, uh, Chris Woods like for me that was like a fairy tale because I'd watched these guys sort of like when I was growing up, especially Chris Waddle, you know I mean? He'd be like the equivalent of you signing for a player now, which was a standout player for the national team, let's say. Um, so, so I was like, yeah, this sounds good. So went into it blind, um, because I didn't even know where Burnley was. Um, so anyway, gets there, um, goes into it and, and, and starts sort of playing and, uh, I had to learn really quickly. You know, I remember. I remember the gaffer pulled me in early doors, and he's like, "You know, I know you like to play football because I was, I was, a, I was a ball playing sort of um, Australian player, and yeah, I was I had a bit of grit about me and a bit of nastiness and stuff like that. But then I sort of had to just try and evolve my game a little bit. Where if you took one touch, that's fine. Two touches, threes, at a push, it needs the ball needs to be moved a bit quicker. Um, and so yeah, I had to sort of adapt and learn um, that side of the game. And Chris was happy to help me with that, and because um, he was playing at the time, remember? Yeah. So so the gaffer would be playing alongside us, and um, so he was able to adapt because he was older and more knowledgeable and had that experience where I was still a bit young and and probably a bit naive. So. I adapted my game, but then did I adapt it too much in a sense of, you know, maybe being that enforcer that didn't get a chance to express himself a little bit. Um, yeah, who, who knows? I just found it difficult at first to adapt, uh, from Australian football to to English football. That took a bit of time, but as I said, Chris and Gordon and, um, and all the coaching staff were excellent. The boys were good. I kind of, it was a bit daunting at, at first because, I was going into like the northwest and, you know, um everything was a bit doom and gloom at that time ta- at, at that stage mm-hmm. for me because I'd come from like waves and beaches and sunshine to sort of like, you know, no disrespect, the weather wasn't great. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, shit, what's well. going on here? So yeah. What, so. what
3: was um obviously it's very it's an interesting time to look back on as a Burnley fan with Chris Waddle because I remember that summer when he became manager as a fan like fucking hell it's Chris Waddle, you know. I know. And mm-hmm. the checkbook came out for our level. You know, we signed top of my head Mark Ford for like a quarter of a million quid from Leeds, who yeah. was on the twenty yeah. one international at the time.
1: We brought in like um Lee. Blatherwick from Knox Forest, Howie, yeah. Yeah, Michael Williams from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah.
3: Steve Blaverwick. These were all players yeah. who had been playing in at, at least championship level, Premier League level. Um,
1: yeah.
3: and there was massive of optimism. Obviously, Waddle we were getting as a player as well as a manager as well. So, like, you know, we expected a promotion charge that season. Obviously, yeah. we didn't know what would to, what was to come. Do you think he was? Obviously, he's never got into management again. Uh, for Josh and Nick, who obviously don't know. We had to actually win on the last day of the season to stay up. <laughs> so it didn't go yeah. great.
0: <laughs> I did but, read was, that actually.
3: Um, what was it like then underwood obviously he's always come across a really sound guy but was it was it just a bit much for him do you think the management game or
1: yeah like the, the gaffer was very much um he, he wasn't like i wouldn't say he was comfortable in front of all the lads and and things probably didn't sort of like flow as much as what he would like them to be um i i personally think it would be hard you sort of played half a game you come in you're trying to talk to the lads, you have got fucking sweat on your brow. You're like breathing out your ass. All right, we, uh, you know, and he's already yeah. out there doing it with us. So mm-hmm. then Glenn Roder would take like the team talks. Um, and then is he getting across the points that maybe the gaffer wanted to get across? The gaffer was like sitting, as I said, like having his like swig of orange juice and then he'd jump up and say a few things. But I just think that the the sort of like consistency sort of levels in, in maybe what was trying to be portrayed it may have just been on that roller coaster ride. Um, I, I think we had some great players to call upon, and I was like, I was the same as you. I was coming in, going, "Yeah, okay, this is good. There's some there's some really good players here." And I personally thought, "Shit, we'll go on and do really well." You know, from the basis of the players that we had versus the ones that the gaffer brought in, I thought, "Geez, this is this is good." And uh, it's very hard to to, to pinpoint it, but. You know, I I think, I think the Gaffer was very laid back. He was very approachable. I think um, maybe some players looked at it and and maybe were a bit in awe of him because of yeah. the, the superstar that he was. I think that potentially on the field, the Gaffer might have looked at some of us and went, "You guys are shit." You know, like <laughs> how co- how come you can't do that? And yeah. and I don't know. It might have been a skill, or it might have been a pass, or. You know, being able to see something, he was like, oh, father, "How come you can't see that?" Or so he got a bit frustrated as well. I'm not going to lie, like on on the field and stuff like that. So um, you're kind of putting a whole different um, level of, of pieces together for this jigsaw, and it just just didn't really didn't really fit, didn't match. The gaffer didn't have any fallouts with anyone. No one told him to piss off. He didn't know what he was doing um everyone respected him everyone respected the coaching staff that we had um training sessions were good glenn Rhoda put on a good session um you know the gaffer's legs had probably gone by then so you sort of like you're covering in midfield i played alongside him several times it was quite funny because you like you know one one day you might play alongside alongside 40 and your stats might be like six kilometer runs or something then you play along next to the gaffer and you've, you've clocked up 20 K, it's like far out man like get back gaffer and it's like you know you sort of it's real i've never i've never had to do it yeah ever again but when you're playing with your boss and you want to tell him you know like yeah just do this pull your finger out or whatever or cover or you just can't do it mate you know he, <laughs>
3: I've never thought of it like that. Like You always wonder if the player managers, why does it not work? You don't see it much, if ever, do you, really? But mm. that's such a strange scenario for you to be in. You're in midfield going, for fuck's sake, Gaffer, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's really weird, interesting. Yeah.
1: I, re- I remember um, hearing a story that Ali McCoy and Graham Souness come to blows in the changing room <clears throat> at Glasgow Rangers, because obviously Souness was doing this, and he was standing there in his kit and his boots, like, talking to everyone. <clears throat> and then McCoy's must have turned around. And goes, how about you? Fucking pull your finger out, you fucking idiot, like that. Then he goes, who are you talking to? And he goes, well, if you're on our team, if you want to speak to us like that, then don't, don't, you know, be disappointed when I'm giving it back to you. Yeah. And then as went for him, or something, <laughs> something kicked off, and the two of them were at each other. And everyone was like pulling them apart. And so, I mean, the gaffer, Chris Waddle, was was just for me. He was so placid, you know, like. Yeah. I don't think you could ever get angry I at mean, him. He'd never get angry at you and I just always looked at him with, with this massive level of respect and um yeah, yeah it just just was one of those years that was um was very interesting but a real eye opener to me in um in my sort of like baptism of English football.
3: I think there is an argument to be said. If he'd been given one more season, and the reason I say that is obviously we had a shit first half of the season, like bottom Three the yeah. entire time, but sort of February to the end of the season, I think out of I looked at this the other day, obviously, for this podcast. I think out of 15 games, we won about 10, including beating top of the league Fulham, I think it was at the time, or someone else It was top of the league. Um, obviously, traded Paul Barnes and got Andy Payton in, who yeah, would eventually fire us to promotion out of that division and was a legend for the club. And yeah, he brought in. <laughs> the player that actually is my favourite ever Burnley player. Into the first team in Glen Little, and there's a lot that Waddle did that set the groundwork for what his replacement got the credit for um, in Stan Ternan. But it is interesting to think maybe if Waddle had had another season, I don't know, yeah, could have yeah. maybe
1: he he come in with some really good ideas, some uh, you know a great philosophy. He was a footballer, right? and a good footballer at that so Mm -hmm. anything that he was trying to teach us um or try and educate to us about the philosophy of football was was playing football so you can imagine training sessions were all football um i personally think that when we played on craven cottage or at stoke or wherever it was we played top top football Mm -hmm. you go play on the dog shit at chesterfield and you know, hey. Roverham or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You kind of like really dig yourself out because the field wasn't great. About all footballers in our team, there wasn't many boys that couldn't play. So, to be at that level and then sort of like as you said, those ten games, I'd be very interested to see what stadiums they were played at. At turf, yeah, we played really well. As I said, going away and but go to like some really tough grounds. And and I mean that in the greatest respect, because a lot of those clubs were like fighters. Do you know what I mean? Yes, so yeah. um, maybe we didn't have the fight that you needed in league one, but we certainly had like the flair, if that makes sense. You're talking mm-hmm. about Paul Weller, Cookie, um, Glenn Little. Yeah. You're talking about 40 was a nasty little get, but and so was I, to a certain extent, the gaffer could play football, but Um, You know, you go through that squad and there's a lot of footballers there, mate. And as you Mm -hmm. said, they were signed from like Championship Premiership. Mm -hmm. I reckon, where was the gaffer playing before? He come and slotted his boots on at Chesterfield on a Tuesday night. He was probably, you know, on a nice field and playing pretty football. And then, so I had to learn, right? So I'm there. And if I had to learn, then I bet you the guy from the Premiership or the Championship or even the gaffer, they were learning on the job as well. So Mm -hmm. I probably wasn't alone in that sense, that you've got a lot of people and people to this day always say to me, oh, League One or, you know, in Australia people go, oh, the Scottish Premiership, shit. And I go, shit, are you serious? I'm like, "And you've got to adapt to these styles of football. You've got to adapt to the leagues that you play in. League One, no different. I said to my son, I'd love to see how you go in League One. Do you know what I mean? It's like. different brands of football getting things hooking around the corner muscling in on people you know intimidating people there was all like ruckuses in like the in in the tunnels and stuff like i was not used to that i was thinking why is everyone so angry (laughs) they're just (laughs) aggressive aggressive football you know go to take a throw in down at Millwall and I was getting things thrown, I was mean, like, mate, what's going on here? Just relax. Everyone needs to chill out a bit. But everyone was that far, bloody, you know, loose cannons. Mm-hmm. And maybe we just weren't up for it. Maybe that's why we ended up in this relegation dogfight. I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, I think... Go on, so, on. um You see so many older pros drop down the leagues or, or go to, to Scotland, don't you, play for Rangers or Celtic, and, and they struggle. And that, that's probably why they probably think, go there, have a... Have a nice easy retirement here. Pick up a few more paychecks, and and it, it, like you say, it's not that. There's you put a target on your back as well, don't you? Chris Waddle going and playing at Chesterfield. <laughs> I know Chesterfield yeah. players aren't going to roll back. They're not going to think. Oh, let's let him do his do his thing.
1: It's their scalp, isn't it? Let, yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Burnley, we had travelling what five thousand travelling fans. We were the best travelling fans outside the Premiership. Fact in terms yeah. of the, the the fans that we took. So then, you know, we're taking that, you've got the gaffer, you know, a couple of other boys that had played at a good level. If I'm in the opposition, I'm lifting my game 20, 30%, no doubt about it, yeah. you know? So, um, we, we were probably up against it, albeit on a piece of paper. Um, we probably should have been tipped for promotion. I, I totally agree for, uh, agree with that. So,
3: I, I, I suppose the next thing's to ask, Stan comes in. I don't know if you've got this in your schedule anyway, Nick, but I thought I'd take a lead as a Burnley man. But, um, what's that like, the difference in character? Because for me, as an outsider, placid, nice guy to talk to, Chris Waddle, absolute, I don't know what the word you'd use, um, not someone you'd fuck about with, is what I'd say with Stan Ternan. What was that like walking into the dressing room for him? I imagine it was a big difference for the players, was it?
1: strange man strange like seriously like um so you talk about this um this placid man in in chris waddle and and likes to play football and stuff like that um stan comes in um from the area um he's been around the traps he's he's like a a well-traveled uh professional player coach gets it all right duck dive he's got all the tricks up his up his sleeve right and he hit us with like just a bombshell of just like aggression slash shit we have got to be on our toes here and it was an easy it was an easy one for him because we almost got relegated he'd be like fuck he's almost got relegated last year no wonder he's fucking almost got relegated like that's crap that's crap and you know, it's just sort of come in with a whole stick one you know and we were rattled you know we were like shit you know you've got to start thinking twice about whether you're going to be late what car you're going to drive into the changing room into the the, the changing the, the training ground with and mate if i told you some of the stuff that he would nitpick at it was like far out mate like Football was probably 10th thing on my list in the morning to think of. The rest of it was Stan Turner. It was like, like, what's he going to say to me today? <laughs> well, what's he going to do, mate? Like, I, I sort of like check my hair make sure I got all my food off my face and nothing on my shirt. Cause he fucking get your shirt tucked in or, or and I was like, fire out, man. Like it's almost like Sergeant Major had walked in and just like, just like a hurricane. And we were like, fire out, man. This guy's like, Guy guy's psycho. And um, <laughs> then he'd put on like these these mad like training sessions and, and pre-season, he'd, he'd bring down the balls and, and he'd get the balls and he'd go, right, um, he'd pass those bag of balls over and someone would get him And yeah, you know Glenn Little, right? Funny guy and he's, he's getting balls out and start what are you doing with them? Put those things away, you don't need them today. And so he'd bring down footballs for pre-season and just let us look at them and then run and it's like so then you finish your running and you think the balls are going to come out the balls didn't come out so he he's almost like goading you as if to say right we might play football today or we might just run so it was just a case of this guy man he's just trying to he's playing with our our minds do you know what i mean um so so we had some some real crazy stuff man like pre-season and that like running up through Burnley and ah, oh, it's just mate bizarre, some bizarre stuff really. Um, so to answer your question, he rattled us, mate. He, he proper rattled us. He come in and, and then you know he got rid of he got rid of a bunch of lads. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have read his book or whatever, but um,
3: the uh, the four that he sacked on Radio Lancashire, yeah. well technically sacked, were four, the top of my head, Steve Blatherwick, Mark Winstanley, was not, I think Fordy was one of them actually. Michael Williams, yeah. Mark Ford, was that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And basically, they had a, a, a poor game, or whatever, and he just went like struck the game and went, Nothing against the lads, but they're not good enough. They'll never play for us again. Yeah, so in the yeah. morning, these what was that like in the dressing room? I mean, that must be mental <laughs> to hear that.
1: Yeah, so if you look at it, right, um, so the way it was mark Winstanley was one of them did you say did you say yeah. beef yeah uh, Winstanley, yeah. howie uh blathers uh, michael williams was another one Forty, 40 lasted a bit longer 40 was on like decent dough i don't think he could he could get rid of him but um <laughs> so it, we went away pre-season to um exeter and we we've, we've had like a night out and stuff like that and so long story short um there's there's a bit of shenanigans going on and Um, the gaffer pulls in like some of these guys and and starts giving them the riot act about being out too long etc so then when we sort of got back he'd already had a bee in his bonnet with with a bunch of lads and then yeah as you said poor game and then he sort of just smashed them and went never playing for, for for this football club again so I think a lot of it wasn't that they weren't good enough. Let's get that right. Because you look at those names that we've just mentioned, they're like season pros that have played at a very good level. So for him to say that they weren't good enough to play for, for him or for Burnley, I'm, I'm not buying that. Um, so there was a few underlying sort of issues, let's call it, yeah, prior to the, to the sacking. Um, but then those boys had to come in. So they weren't allowed to train with us. They'd be training on the side on their own. And... You know, if you you talk about players getting put in a situation where you still obviously have to pick up your money because you've got a family to feed and stuff like that, but then you're not allowed to train with the rest of the lads. And so so where do you you end up? Do you end up training with the reserves? Um, And then your head's gone because you think, I'm training with the reserves, I'm 28, 29 years old or whatever that may be. Um, It's a real dangerous area um, to go into. And if you don't manage it properly as a... As a coach or a club, it can become really toxic, and um, let's just say it wasn't—it wasn't managed very well, and it did it become quite toxic. I can get that.
0: Yeah. Mm. So, one more thing before we go on to the uh, a little quiz, if that's all right. And yeah. Apologies if I say this wrong, but so from Burnley, you went to Wollongong Wolves, playing in the NSL Grand Final against Perth. So, being 3-0 down at half-time to then drawing 3-3 and winning on penalties, what was that feeling like, and how high did that rank on your achievements?
1: Um, I kind of felt like I shouldn't have been there in the first place. Me and Stan had a fallout, mm. um, if the truth be known. And, and then I just went and said to him, I says, mate, I'm going to have to go on loan because the Olympic Games was coming up, uh, 2000 in Sydney, and I was in the squad, um, obviously, so I was trying to get as much game time as I could. And, um so so we didn't probably see eye to eye in the sense of me representing my national team um yeah. because respectfully back then it was like australia like mm-hmm. who, who plays for australia sort of thing it was like unless you were playing for england or someone decent then it was like are you serious what you're going to go play for australia so um we had i could go I could sit here for days and tell you about the, the fallouts we had through all of this but um i just eventually went up to him i said mate i've got to get out of here i've got to go play football and and it just so happened the easiest option for me would have been to go back to Australia, be under the spotlight, get some games, etc. So I went back to play for Wollongong, as you said, and I think it was like a two month loan spell or something. So it was like two months towards the end of the season. I went back and enjoyed the sunshine and played in this grand final. So there was like 45,000 people Um packed into this afl ground so it's like subiaco oval in perth and perth's five hours away from sydney so uh as it stands we we had hardly any fans i think we had like 200 fans and they had the rest of the whatever the maths works out to be of the stadium capacity um so we were we were up against it three nil down um i was on the bench in that game so i'd gone back to play and and again things didn't quite work for me in terms of my body and stuff like that. So I'm sitting on the bench just thinking, this is a disaster. So I sort of like said to the, the, the gaffer at the time, I said, get me on there, mate, this is terrible. Like, you know, we're three nil down. And so we went in at halftime and, and sure enough, he just sort of run the riot act. He's like, oh, this is terrible. And Robbo, get your gear on, get, get stripped down. And this other uh, guy, Surus, so he goes, "Sura, get your gear on the two of yours. Right, you're coming off, you're coming off, Robbo on this guy on and i was like yeah well about time mate you know so get gets out there comes out like a man on a mission i've I've been in england for two years playing professional football i played in front of big crowds this this was this was nothing to me you know so i went out and blasted it for 45 minutes i thought i played really well um we got ourselves back to 3-3 as you said and um went into extra time none of us could really sort of break the deadlock and. So it went to penalties. So it was a real sort of like clincher. But um, so back then it was the most watched sporting event in Australian history in terms of like televised uh, event. So if you think of the, you know, the Liverpool versus AC Milan um, Champions League final, no different to that. Down three, gets it back to 3-3. Everyone's kind of like almost turning the box off at halftime, switching the Barbies (laughs) off and... But then we sort of started bouncing back and it goes, oh, they got a chance here. They had a real spring in our step and banged one, bang two, bang three, and then it goes into um, the penalties. And mate, I reckon if the scoreline ended up like 14, 13, if I'm right in saying, mate, no one missed the penalty, eh? It was just like <laughs> one after the other and everyone's like sweating it out. And, um, and then eventually we went on to win it and um, just mad celebrations. Um, we caught the Red Eye Special, so it's basically a five-hour trip. So you get on the plane at midnight, you fly back to the eastern side of Australia. It's five hours. You get there at six in the morning, so we're just proper on, on, on the gear straight away. Um, after the game at the hotel, then to the airport, we're sort of like just running around with this trophy in, in the airport, gets back to Wollongong. We get a bus, which then takes us an hour's drive to get to the stadium. There was like a ticket take parade going on. Ah, it was massive for Australia, mate, but um, quite, quite surreal because I kind of knew that was my last kick of the ball for them. It was mm-hmm. kind of like I'd only really come back as a stopgap and then the club were like, oh, can you stay? Would you stay? And I was like, nah. I said, look, I've got unfinished business back in um, back in England. And then that's when kind of like I had the, the conversation with Stan and just sort of said, look, if I'm not in your plans, then that's sweet. I'll, I'll just move somewhere else. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then long story short, uh, Swindon bought me from from Burnley. So Colin Todd signed me from Burnley. And uh, Colin and and, and Stan at the time had that conversation as to, you know, was I the player that Swindon needed, et cetera. So I packed my bags and I moved there. But it was disappointing because I had a lot of good mates, Cookie and Weller and Glenn and all the boys. We were all quite close, to be fair. Yeah. So, so moving to a new club's like your mum and dad ripping you out of school and taking you, you to a new school. It's like shit. I don't know anyone here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you, you soon get to know people, and yeah, lots of lots of great memories of Swindon as well as the other clubs I played for.
3: Mm. And I think it's worth mentioning as well that you did get capped, obviously, by Australia full level. What was that like? What's that? What does that? What's the feeling with that? I mean, I yeah,
0: think yeah, are The first
3: international we've had on full.
0: Uh, second, th- second
3: Warren Barton, weren't it? Warren, Warren Barton. Barton, yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah, course. what's the feeling? How, how,
1: how does that come about? And Yeah, it was good. Like I said to you, like so when Chris Waddle signed me, I, I was playing for the, um, the under-20s in a World Cup yeah. uh, for Australia. So I was always sort of like pegged on as being that guy that was going to go through the ranks anyway. So... Um, playing in the World Cup for Australia in the 20s. I was in the, um, uh, the Olympic Games squad right up until the Olympic Games. So then really, all that's left after that is your national team. So um, I think everyone was looking for just like a level of consistency within my game before I got the call-up. Um, if the truth be known, I had a lot of injuries. I had 10 operations through my career. Um, missed out on many, many. If you go on and have a look at my sort of games versus the years I played very minimal amounts of games and that's not because I was sitting in the grandstand because I wasn't good enough it was basically injured if Robbo's injured then you can't call upon him then that's it he's out of the squad you know and so we're talking like big injuries I've had like three um, ACL reconstructions you know they're they're not pretty best part of 11 months the first one 14 months the second one 18 months the third one so if you talk about taking percentages out of someone's career, then I must've lost. I I don't know how many games. So to get the one cap for my country, I still feel like I should have had a hell of a lot more, but I suppose one caps, one cap, you sort of have it. And it's sort of like your pride. It's certainly, it's not hanging around in my house, if that makes sense. I don't have my strip up with the cap and, but yeah, it's nice to have when people sort of say you played for your national team, it was against, uh, the 2002 uh, World Cup Japanese team. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and it was in Japan. So you can imagine I flew from, um, I flew from Edinburgh to Heathrow, Heathrow to Japan, and then an internal flight to Hiroshima, I think it was. So it was like a three day camel trek to get there. Your eyes are popping out of your head. Um, and then you sort of like have one day training and then you're into a game against probably one of the sharpest national teams that i've ever played against so you're almost like chasing shadows yeah yeah you hardly got a touch of the ball and um yeah it was hard mate. it was really hard but you know it will always be in my memory standing for the national anthem i've done that many times you do it at primary school you do it every day you sing your national anthem in australia you play sport you sing your national anthem but to stand there and and know that my family were back in Australia watching with with a great amount of pride, and obviously my dad played for for Australia as well. Then, yeah, it was great, really top top uh, occasion and something that I'll I'll never forget. Put it that way.
0: Might be wrong, but was that the same team that is it Nakamura played for? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. All, all of yeah, all of those those guys made a really good side. Um technically very good, sharp. You know, like. You know, you think to yourself, you know, human versus human, I'll get close and I'll make a tackle and I'll, I'll intimidate him. And No, none of that. None of that. Yeah. It was just like trying to get close to these guys. And um, there was 70,000, uh, obviously, of their fans there. So the place was absolutely buzzing. You couldn't hear yourself think. And, um, yeah, it, it was a real difficult occasion. But um, there's something that I hold close to my heart. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Alright, Josh, I'll let you go through the quiz.
2: Yes, okay. So we do this with um, with all our guests. It's the um it's the Tommy Lee Pro Five quiz. Tommy Lee, ex Chesterfield goalkeeper, was the first to get uh, five out of five, so he, he earned the
1: naming rights. Um so, yeah, just, Has anyone just, got zero? Uh no, I'm a afraid one, not. I <laughs> do <had a one. laughs> I'm shitting myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's all right. Far uh, out. And it's all about your career, so um, that's all right. Yeah, should be fine. Uh, So, number one, uh, I'll prefix this with according to Wikipedia. I think it was Warren Barton who pulled me up on uh, (laughs) on my research. So, according to Wikipedia, you made 174 league appearances in your career. Which team did you make the most league appearances for? I'm going to say Burnley. It is Burnley, correct? 36 for burnley 32 for stockport
1: 25 for
2: dundee
1: i made loads until stan come (laughs) (laughs) there's
3: a few who can say that that (laughs) though oh man wow
1: um
2: number two in the uh aforementioned 2000 grand final you scored (laughs) your penalty in the shootout i I watched it earlier actually on um on youtube it was a mad atmosphere (laughs) Um, so many people there um so, yeah, which number penalty did you take?
1: Well, I wanted to be number one, right? Let's be honest here. I says, I'm going number one gaffer. So, Stuart Young that used to play uh, for Hull and um, and Arsenal, he was at Arsenal with Kevin Campbell, actually. He'd moved to Australia. So, me and him were like, no, no, no. It was almost like scissor-paper-rock to see who <laughs> went first. So, he ended up winning. So, he went first, I went second.
2: Yeah, it was second. My follow-up question was going to be, were you one of the first to put your hands up? So.
1: Oh, a thousand percent, mate. Goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good penalty as well.
2: Keepers bottom Thanks, line. mate. Um, so, number three, you scored one goal for Burnley. Who was it against?
1: So, that would have been, uh, I've got a picture of that. So, I've got Ali Pickering on one shoulder, uh, Andy Payton jumping on the other shoulder. So, that would have been Boxing Day away against York City. Correct. 3-3. Three, three plus.
3: I was there somewhere in the crowd going mental with my dad as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just, just, just slot it to me and I'll, I'll pop that away, lad. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you might be on that picture loop.
3: Yeah, possibly, yeah. Mark's got me hung on his wall.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Might
0: yeah. still be on Mark's toe, on <laughs> Yeah.
1: I wondered why my toenail was blue a week later.
2: Right, number four, you're doing very well so far. Uh, so while at Stockport County... Which of these former Premier League players did you make the most appearances alongside? So there were there were some real future stars in that uh, in that Stockport team. So you played against you played with one of these uh, the most times. So it's Ricky Lambert, Adam LaFondre or Ashley Williams.
1: Um. So. Yeah, right. So Alfie was just young coming through. So it's, it's not Alfie. Um, Lambeau uh, was a legend and scored so many goals. So he probably scored the most goals out of all of that. But um, I'm going to say that Ashley Williams was very rarely injured. Um, I'm going to say Ashley Williams. It was Ricky Lambert. Oh, Lambo! <laughs> Fire out! <up. laughs> it was up. I'm, I'm still mates with Ash, so I had to say Ash. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Ricky was 25. Like you say, um, Alfie was, uh, he only made eight alongside him and Ashley Williams 22. So it wasn't far if it was a tricky one, that. Um,
1: yeah, well, Lam- Lambo was never going to get dropped, mate. I just, um, I thought he might have had any- a few injuries along the way, but yeah, top, top player, mate.
2: Yeah, we're going to say did you did you see those players going going right
1: to the yeah, top? Yeah, yeah. I stay I stayed in touch with all of them, mate. So um, we we had some good guys there. Um, as you said, Ashley went on and had a terrific career. I'm still really good mates with Ash now. Uh, Lambo done well. Alfie done well. Um, there was there was probably a few others that went on to have like really good careers. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, um, but at the end of the day, it was again one of those uh, nearly teams. The teams that potentially should have got promoted but we didn't in the end so (laughs) disappointing
2: yeah Um, and question five as always on the Tommy Lee profile quiz you played under multiple managers in your career can you name five of them
1: okay so we'll start off with uh Chris Waddle one then move on to Colin Todd two uh we'll go for uh Ivano Benetti three um we will go for can it be any any of my sort of managers? Yeah. Any that Josh yeah. has got listed. Any that I've got listed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um well my national team manager was Frank Farina. Yeah, four. Um and who else would I like to give a little a little shout out to? Um, um who else? Who did I have up in uh in Scotland? Um. that will go for stand, turn and make it nice and easy. I wasn't going to give him a mention, but yeah, there you go. You can have you can have that for the quiz. <laughs> yeah, perfect, brilliant.
0: So, last thing, Mark, if it's all right, before you go, we have uh, a little thing at the end. It's the score predictions, um, and that's each of our team. So, Luke Burnley, Josh Man United, and me, Derby. So the next fixtures, if you can predict uh, the score line. So the next one is Rotherham versus Derby. What do you think the score prediction will be in that game?
1: Derby banker. Um, and I'm going to put it down as... Um, it's time they started to turn a corner, so I'm going to put it down as a nice convincing 3-1. That'd
0: be nice, I'd say Where's that. it at? <laughs> Where's it at? It's at Rotherham at the New York Stadium. Mm.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I'm still. Well, can I peg it back to two one? Is that all right?
0: Yeah, two one. Been,
1: been away from home.
0: Playing against Rotherham, Now it's one nil. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nick, you know, just want to. We'll cut this bit out. We'll just explain because for when it when it's on YouTube when we put it out, so these predictions are a bit a bit further forward. But
1: yeah, that's... terrific. All right, cool.
0: So the next game that we have is Man United versus Leeds on the Sunday.
1: Where at, Man U. Uh, At Old Trafford, yeah. All right. I'll um I'll put that one down as another close one. I'll, I'll stick that down as a 2-1 as well to Manchester United uh, with uh, Greenwood on the scoreline. And um, Cavani coming on and, and getting the winner. And for Leeds, uh, just the one goal. Yeah,
0: 2-1. Take that. If, you, if you get the scorers as well, I'm giving you full 10 points.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I, can I just tell you something? This is no bullshit. I don't even know how to put a coupon on. You know, like when I first come across, like Glenn Middles walking about with those little pens, you know, like uh, just gambling away. And I'm like, mate, what are you doing? Oh, just doing the coupons. And so he had the big sheet for that. And then the little for his little horse race and all that. And I still never, ever learned how to gamble in this country. And now I'm back here living. I still don't know how to do it, but you go to the casino and almost lose my house, but I just don't know how to, I just I don't I, know how to. I wish I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, man. And I was, it's funny, I was listening to Matthew McConaughey today on his ebook, and he was saying that he, he punts on the uh, NFL, like the the, the gridiron. And so he's talking about odds and this and that, and it just brought me back to my days of football, because outside of football, I don't hear anyone talking about gambling as much as what the players did. So um, yeah, it's funny that people were gambling on sport. I've never, ever, never, ever done it. So in,
3: in maybe I'll honour, start
1: if I get these right.
3: In yeah. your honour, Mark, I'll put a tenner on, uh, on United <laughs> and Greenwood yeah. and uh, Cavani to score. We'll split That's it, it. If, if I win. Good
0: man, good man. <laughs> And then the last one, which is on a Monday night, is Burnley versus Wolves.
1: Uh, at Burnley. Yeah, that's, uh, mate. My heart's telling me to go with a uh, Burnley win. But uh, as, as tough as it can be, um, I'm going to have to go for the draw there and I'm going to put it down as a 1 1 draw. Will?
3: Okay. Right. Would you say yeah, that? So move? W-
1: wolves. wolves are a good side, man. Like, yeah, you take that all day against them, you know, you just hope that you just hope that you know, a few of the boys sort of, like, they do defend well and I love watching Daishi on the sidelines and I played with Woney at um, at Swindon and, you know, I was very good mates with Craig Mawson, still am, although he's moved to, to Manchester United as the goalkeeper coach, I still sort of, like, speak to the guys and always want them to do well. Um, Terry Pashley's still at Burnley, I've still got mates who live in Burnley, so I'm always rooting for them for sure. But um, against Wolves there, it's always going to be a difficult task. and 1-1 one, one sounds about right to me. Yeah,
3: agreed. Yeah. Second it, Luke. One, 1-1. Yeah, one. I'll take it. Never never turn down the draw. That's it, mate. No. That's it.
0: But uh, Thank you very much, Mark. You've been an absolute pleasure. Thanks yeah, for coming bye. on, mate. Thank you so nah, much.
1: Thanks, thanks, guys. I I said to my missus, I'm doing this podcast. She goes, mate, she goes, well, all you're doing is podcasts these days. And she goes, she goes, you're more important now than what you were when you were playing. <laughs> <laughs> you're more popular, at least. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Nah, it's good, guys. Look, I, you know, um, for for those that know me well enough, I um, I enjoy speaking about football, and if it's about my time or someone else's time or whatever, it's just... um. It's good that I live in a country where I can do that because in Australia we don't we don't tend to have the passion for the game as much as what it's like over here. So whether I'm at the shops or speaking to you guys, it's it's always very passionate. And you guys, the job that you guys do is you just exuberate uh, passion. So you know, well done to that as well. Yeah,
3: thank, thank you, you very much. much, and best of luck to you lad at City. We'll yeah, yeah,
1: out. yeah. Cool guys. Well, we'll keep in touch, and um, I look Absolutely. forward to it coming out and. Um, we'll smash it out there and, um, and let, let people have a listen. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much, mate. Cheers, mate. very much. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Welcome back. How sound was Mark? But let's get into our last weekend's predictions because I've had a flatline stinker. But Luke, looking pretty healthy. So we'll start with Derby and Stoke. 1-1, Luke. It went 0-0. Uh,
3: yeah, good result. Thought you I thought you'd get a draw. Well done. Cheers. <laughs> Go team.
0: Josh, you <laughs> predicted one nil derby. Did I? Yeah, you said one nil derby, and I'll quote Wayne Rooney will get perm job.
2: Oh, I that. still think he'll get perm job because she beat Swansea uh, midweek. Good, I thought I'd predicted a draw. I went for a draw in mid super six thing. Um yeah. Not a bad yeah. result though. Decent.
0: Yeah, I had 2-0 derby. We're on the up. Wayne Rooney's actually got us playing very good football. Nicely attacking, taking games to teams and defensively very sound. So I'm happy. I'm happy. And that 2-0 against Swansea again. Lovely. Oh. Right, Man U versus Man City. Josh, you had
2: 4-3? Yeah, uh, just the seven goals out. Um, <laughs> I'll start predicting nil-nils for United in big
0: games. Yeah. And then well, then when you play against other teams, they're gonna score and then you predict like two or three goals or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's not very good, am I? <laughs> Luke you were bang on nil nil, five points. Yeah,
2: I just knew it'd be a crap game. Always are, aren't they? Normally City are quite good though. It's rare that City on Nil
3: as well. You're the destroyers of exciting football. Are you like the Burnley of the top six? <laughs>
2: Big top two for winners gaming. Um, yeah.
3: You may as well not be there. Um,
2: I'm not sure that's how it works.
3: <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Like you know. <laughs> the wor- you're, the wor- you're the worst team in the top six. That's um, an insult
0: and
2: half, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean it. I know what you mean. We're so inconsistent. Um, yeah. Not many worst- teams in top six or top <laughs> six at all. Worst team in top six.
0: Right, I had two on Man City. I did think they'd win, but I think
2: probably should have won as well. It was a bit of shit, were not it? it? I don't think they deserve to win. I don't think United you know deserve to win. Nil-nil were perfect. It's what everyone wanted. It's Frank Lampard's fault, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, personal joke. Right, <laughs> Arsenal Burnley, Lou. You said I absolutely hate Arsenal. We're gonna beat them. We're gonna beat them one-one. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I didn't think we'd win. Um, but we did.
2: And I'm delighted. Yeah. Because I don't like Arsenal. Why don't you <laughs> come at us, AFTV?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Josh, we'll move on. Luke, eh, Josh, 2 1, you had Arsenal.
2: Yeah, I thought, I thought they'd beat Burnley at home. No offence to Burnley. But Arsenal should be.
0: Burnley at Art than <laughs> they are. Burnley at Man United at mid table.
2: They're, they're worst team in bottom six. <laughs> <laughs> um Arsenal are just diabolical though. Absolutely diabolical. They've got a fraud for a manager who used to put cones out of the pet. Um he's got no clue out this with in forever because there's a very real chance they could get relegated if they do. And that would be amazing. i oh, wait
0: for away day championship at Emirates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had two 0 Arsenal again. I thought they were going to be quite comfortably winning, but mm. as Luke said, the shit. So, yeah, my opinions changed. I don't think they're going to do much more. No. Until. Uh,
2: go
0: yeah, they need a very big January. Very big January. And um, they need to bring in a lot of decent players. So. Right, we'll get on to this weekend's predictions. And we've got Rotherham versus Derby. Luke, what do you think that score will be? What's that? Sorry? Rotherham. Shall I start that whole thing again? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Go for Just
2: right. start from this week's predictions. I'll move L <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep it there. Right, you ready, Luke? Yeah. So, this weekend's predictions... Rotherham versus Derby, what do you think that result will be?
2: 1 0. Josh. <laughs> um, 2 0 Derby. I'm going to join you, I'm going to say
0: 2 0 Derby. I think we'll they're get another 2 0 there. But Rotherham, they're doing well. Yeah. Doing very well. Yeah. So, uh, next fixture, we have Man United versus Leeds, and they are on back of a 5-2 win against Newcastle,
2: Josh. Yeah, and they'll come out attacking. It's a like Patrick Bamford though. threat they've got. Yeah, but they're so... And miss. They'll batter teams like Newcastle, and then they'll lose teams like West Ham. Um, United should beat them, um, but there'll be goals in it. I'll say nil-nil. <laughs>
0: we'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, be goals in it no no Luke Leeds versus Man United 2 all. 2 all. and I'm going to go for a 2-1 Man United win and then the last fixture we've got is Burnley versus Wolves Luke 1-0 Burnley do you not like Wolves either
3: <laughs> no, I've got no issue with them. I just think 1-0.
0: They're not great, are they, this season? They've, they've lost the best striker, aren't they? And he e- e- were decent. Yeah. So, get well soon, Rui. Josh, <laughs> what do you think?
2: Um. Yeah, I think Burnley will win. I'm going to go... 1-0 Wolves. <laughs> One.
0: <laughs> Did you just
2: say Burnley will win 1-0 yeah, Wolves? I, I think and then I go against my prediction because I'm so bad at it. So I'm going for things I don't think will happen.
0: Yeah, I think 1-0 Burnley. I think they'll they'll beat Wolves. Um, I have no reason why they'll beat Wolves but I think they'll beat Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible predictions coming up. But no, uh, so total now we have... Luke moved to thirty-four.
2: Mm.
0: Me and Josh got zero points for last weekend, so we stay at, I stay at fifty, Josh stays at seventeen. So yeah, you, you need to get all of your points that we've been doing over the last two months to get near Luke. Yeah. You're not doing bad. Yeah. I'm doing
2: really
0: bad. But no, so we've been pineapple. Pine. Make sure you stay tuned for next week where it's the Christmas special and we'll be revealing who is the winner of this glorious Pineapple Pine, Pine T shirt. Indeed, Obviously not know. this one, but another <laughs> one. Also, all sizes, different colours, and we'll get in touch with you. So yeah, stay right. tuned for next week. Bye. Bye. Bye and bye.
3: Bye and.